Good morning, everybody. How are we today? Good. Y'all are more awake than first service, which makes sense because y'all got more sleep. Uh, good to see y'all. Uh, like Pastor Bernie said, my name is Ricky, and I lead the 5th through 12th graders here at New Life Church. Um, I guess y'all are 5th through 12th grade. Um, how many of y'all shot fireworks last night and you still have all your fingers attached to your hand? Yeah. Have y'all ever tried to prep a message on 4th of July night? to speak on Sunday morning? I have. That was kind of fun, kind of difficult, um, but I'm learning uh, to do that with distractions and kids. It kind of reminds me this whole 4th of July, and uh, I had a crazy brother. I still have a crazy brother. His name's Seth. He's uh, he's speaking at our Little Rock campus this morning. Um, we share the same room for most of our lives growing up, and uh, he... Uh, he helped me to experience some crazy things. He had screaming nightmares probably about once every two weeks or so, almost once a week. So that was kind of fun growing up. He had terrible gas. He still has terrible gas. Uh, and he uh, always wanted his way like a younger brother does. And um, I remember I was playing PlayStation one time, playing Pokemon when it came out. And he wanted to play. And as bigger brother, I told him it wasn't his turn yet. And so he decided to get some fireworks and pretend like he was going to light one of them and throw them at me to get his way. And uh, so as the story goes, he accidentally lit one and had to decide what to do with it in that moment. He tried to run to the window real quick, open up the window and throw it out. Well, when he threw it, it hit the window, it bounced back in, exploded on our beige carpet. Today, thankfully, my mom's not here. She still doesn't know about that. Uh, probably why we never got to resell that house is because of stuff like that. Some of us have been trapped inside for months. Um, in our houses or in our workplaces, but you've never been trapped for half your life with a maniac in the same room like I have. Uh, so that is that. I have two maniacs of my own. Uh, here is a picture of them on the screens. We have Kai, um, a little boy up front, and then Ellie is the bigger sister in the back. And I was telling First Service that this is our secret place that we have that no one else knows about um, until I told them in first service, but they think this is like a million miles away in a whole nother world. This is actually behind the church. There's a little creek back there, and I take them back there, and we have picnics and throw rocks, and they hit each other and stuff, you know, that kids do. I spent a lot of time around them the past few months. I'm very grateful for that. The first few weeks were tough. Uh, if I could just be honest, being in a home where I'm honestly used to being around them 10 or 15 hours a week to going to 50, 60 hours a week, uh, I grew a lot and I cried a lot, but I had a good time with them. Kai, he learned to talk during quarantine, and Ellie has learned to talk back, and she is not here today. Uh, she is with our relatives in Oklahoma hanging out with them. I've spent a lot of time cooking, more than I ever have before the past few months. How many of y'all enjoyed to cook? Okay, we got some cooks in the house. I've made some homemade salsa and uh, had some fun with that. I have some clients in the room who have tried that out. I've tried to, <laughs> tried to smoke some meat, not doing a very good job with that. I've tried to make some barbecue. Um, I began to grow some herbs in the backyard, legal herbs. Some of y'all got excited. Slow down. We're in church. Uh, but it's cool to have some herbs to be able to bring in and put on pizzas and pastas and steaks and stuff like that. I'm learning that the fresher the herbs, the, the better tasting the food. And uh, I'm getting hungry. I haven't had lunch yet. And so I'm going to stop talking about food here in just a minute. Uh, but when it comes to food, amen, 
Ethan and I love food, uh, just for the record. If y'all ever were curious, if you wanted to bless us one day or give us a gift, just bring us food. That's our love language, right? That's right. Um, so when you go to a store and you see packages of food, whether it's bread or milk, cheese, meat, it always has a date on there. It says best used by, and then it has a date, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It has this expiration date. Um, what that date, I think, should be called is best consumed by. Because you're not using that item, you're consuming it. Like the best used by on a steak, you're not using it as a doorstop, you're using it as a steak. A tomato, you're not using it as a paperweight, and lettuce, you're not using it as toilet paper, though we got close back in March because uh, some of y'all were hiding it for no apparent reason. Unless you freeze it, it is best consumed by, and then that date that is on the package. To change gears here, I want to ask you, what are you hungry for? Like in life, what are you hungry for in your soul? In Psalm chapter 34, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And reading this, kind of growing up the past few years, I'm like, does this refer to us eating Jesus? Like, is that what this is referring to? We're going to kind of break that down as we go throughout the word today. Um, I, I was in Mexico as a teenager. I was on a mission trip. Our first mission trip, we were helping to build this church. We had a host family uh, that would provide our meals for us every day. And uh, we had this little dog that had three legs um, that was running around us all week trying to get our food, trying to get attention like a kid does, basically, but it was a dog. And uh, every time we ate, it was at our feet at the table. It was always trying to get our scraps and our crumbs. Um, and for some reason, on the very last day, we had a big meal and the dog was not there. But as the meal was brought out to us, we saw that there was aluminum foil wrapped balls of meat. And to this day, we still have no idea what it was. I'm not proposing that we ate the dog, but I'm proposing that they sold that dog so we could eat that day. Uh, but we were very alarmed in that moment. We passed most of our food to this guy who would eat anything. Uh, his name was Chisholm. His dad's a pastor uh, in El Paso at the Cowboy Church. Um, what if I told you that there's a possibility as humans that we would eat whatever is put in front of us if we were hungry enough. But that even if we ate it, it wouldn't necessarily satisfy us. It wouldn't make us content on the inside of us. And I think as a culture, that is what we do a lot of times. And even as individuals, that's what we do in our lives, especially on the heart level, that we consume things that were never meant to satisfy us. If we were to take a step back or really just turn on the news, the past few months in our country have been pretty crazy. They've been pretty wild, but I think that we could agree as a whole that there are some things that need to change because we as a whole are missing the mark in a lot of areas, number one being love. But I think that if this right here was our daily bread, if this was our standard, this is how we live, that would change everything. And so today I want to talk about this being our daily bread, because we all need this. Our families, our kids, our, our spouses, definitely, um, our workplaces, the people that we like, the people that we love, the people that we don't like and love. If we want to change culture, if I want to change culture, it has to start with me. And if you want to change the people around you, it has to start with you first. Can we get in the word about the word this morning? Are y'all cool with that? We read the word in church? Four of you. Can we read the word in church this morning? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. So growing up, I was not raised in church, and so I still have a lot of questions about the Bible. Being a student pastor, they have a lot of questions about the Bible. Most of them I can't answer, uh, but I want to address a few of those questions here this morning. So number one is, where does the Bible come from? Where does it come from? Knowing where something comes from gives it legitimacy. 
And so if you want some maple syrup, where do you go? Where do you want it from? Canada, eh? You want your maple syrup from Canada. If you want glass bottled Coke, you want it to be from Mexico. If you want coffee or um, illegal substances, you might call Colombia. If you want knockoff brands, you get them from China. If you want chocolate, Switzerland or Germany. If you want hackers, Russia, hello. If you want greasy hamburgers and great movies, America, United States of America. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That could be a four-week series, that verse right there, but we're not going to make it that way. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And then lastly, right here, Luke 21, this is Jesus speaking, says, heaven and earth will pass away. Everything that you know, everything that you see will pass away but my words will never pass away. And so we know as believers that God's words will never pass away and knowing that gives them supreme legitimacy in our life. So the word has been around since the beginning of time, if you didn't know that. It just wasn't always on written pages. But when God wanted it to be in book form, he spoke through the Holy Spirit to tell us and reveal us about Jesus. So we can put it this way, we'll go to the next question, that scripture comes from God the Father, breathed through the Holy Spirit to man, and man wrote it to tell us about Jesus. Question number two is, why do I need to read this? We know the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And again, we can look around us, We can look on the inside of us and we can see if we're being honest and transparent that some things need to change around us and in us. And we need to read God's words. We can see the bigger picture and understand it. How many of y'all, when you were young, like to put together puzzles? Or maybe you're not young anymore, like to do puzzles still? Okay. So my mom told me, I'm pretty sure this is a lie. She's trying to embarrass me in front of my friends. But that I used to do puzzles without the picture and upside down. Like, I would not look at the picture, flip the puzzles upside down as a kid and do them that way. My wife told me that's what's wrong with you. That, that is why we can't. Anyway, um, why, do we re- why do we need to read the word? When we don't read the word, we're a lot like young Ricky walking around without a picture doing things backwards and upside down. Some other reasons. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. This is saying... I've hidden your word in my heart so I won't create separation between me and my creator and in our relationship. In Proverbs chapter four, it says, for they, referring to God's words, are life to those who find them and health to a man's body. Who needs health in their body this morning? Like I need health right now. Hebrews chapter four says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, your feelings and truth. Between joints and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Why read it? Encouragement, life, peace, knowledge, wisdom. You could stop right there, but then we also need to read it for more faith, for more strength, for direction. How many times has your spouse tried to give you directions while you're driving and it's not turned out good? Anybody in the club? Like on Friday, we went to Memphis, went to Ikea, uh, and my wife was telling me how to get down these roads, and y'all know how that goes most of the time. Whether It doesn't matter who's driving, the husband or the wife, the one given directions is always wrong. Uh, <laughs> we read this to not sin against God. We read this to be filled, to quench our thirst and our hunger, to know truth and to share that with others, to resist the enemy, to use this as a weapon. Why read it? 
to know the difference in God's thoughts, the enemy's thoughts, and our thoughts. Why I read it? Because it makes our way prosperous and successful, because God's voice never goes against God's word. We read it because God's word is the last word, but most importantly, we read it because it helps us establish and build a relationship with our creator. What else in the world can do that? There's nothing like his word. When we read this, it gives us life. Another question is, when do I need to read this? And this is where a lot of us get tripped up. It's where I've got tripped up the most in my life. Let's talk about how often. I didn't know that on Sundays, this message, whoever is given this message is not meant to sustain us all week. I didn't know that. No one told me that. I just assumed that's why we went to church and that's just a part of it. But what you receive on a Sunday is not meant to sustain you all week. They've given me about 28 minutes to speak a message. I got about 12 and a half left. And that cannot, will not, and is not meant to sustain you. There have been times in my eight years of being part of this church that I felt like my relationship with God was either non-existent or very lacking. That I didn't have a real relationship. And what I did not know is that I was starving myself because I wasn't getting in the word. I thought that this is what Sundays were for. How often do you eat? Two, three, nine times a day if you're like me, right? Like we eat very often. I think there's a reason that Jesus refers to the phrase daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. Now he's not referring directly to reading his word, but I believe that we can view the word as our daily bread, exactly what we need every single day to make it through the day. In Joshua 1.8, it says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And so read it in the morning, whether it's a verse or a chapter or part of a reading plan. And then as you go throughout your day and at night, just meditate on it, ruminate, chew on it. See what the Holy Spirit has for you in that verse that day. And maybe you can apply it that day. So how frequently should we read this? I think every single day. So the next question is how much? But God's word isn't clear on that. He just says to read my word because it's life and everything that I just listed above. And so we have why we need to read it, when we need to read it. And then the next one is how do I need to read it? And there are some thoughts around the Bible of like, it's boring. How many of y'all said it's boring before? I know I have. Most of you aren't raising your hands. You're lying in church. Uh, Even more common with high school students is I don't understand it. I don't understand God's word and that's why I don't read it. I'm there about every week. I don't understand something Um, I have a video that kind of explains and shows what it's like trying to understand God's word before you have your coffee every morning. Let's check this video out. Have you ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything? (laughs) Anybody ever felt like that trying to read God's word? Yeah, so my favorite video in the world right now is probably that one. Uh, but it feels like that sometimes. If you will, you what you will. You know, like it's just like, I don't know what I'm reading. When I learned what I'm about to say, it changed everything for me. This is the only book in the world that we're not meant to read with our minds, but we're meant to read with our spirit. This word is not going to be understood with your mind. It has to be understood with your spirit. And I'll give you scriptural proof of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, No mind, no matter your degree, no matter how smart you are, no matter where you're from, has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 
but God has revealed it to us by his what? His spirit, the Holy Spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. I'm thinking about lunch. God's thinking about the next color he's going to create. He's a deep mind. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And so if we want to know the thoughts of God, what is in the word, shouldn't we ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand as he's the one that intercedes for us in the first place? Like if we want to know what to read or what to get out of it, how to understand it, just ask the Holy Spirit every time you read. And I promise you, he will help this word come to life for you. Another thought around the Bible is where do I start? And so I have a couple of tips. You could try to Google it, and there's hundreds of ways and places to start. But let's do this off of how often you're reading the Bible right now. So if it's not at all or maybe just once or twice a month, I'd recommend reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels. Because if our faith is about Jesus and this book is about Jesus, that's a really good place to start, in my opinion. And so if you're rarely reading, that's a great place to start. Next is if you're reading a handful of times a month, maybe a couple of times a week, I'd recommend getting the Bible app and using the plans in that. And I said this in first service, I think that the Bible app literally is a modern day miracle because you get every language, every translation. Like, did y'all know, like, not too long ago in history, there were languages in the world where you couldn't read the Bible. And when you go back hundreds of years ago and thousands of years ago or about a thousand years ago, there, there wasn't access to this. So God left us this book, and it had to go through a process to be translated, and now we have that in every language in the world. And on that app, there's over 800 plans today that you could get into that talks about your emotions, your feelings, a character, a chapter, a a book. Whatever you want to know about the Bible, there is a plan for it in the Bible app. And some of them are three days. Some of them are one day. Some of them are three years. They have videos and devotional content that helps to break down and process the Word, and that's why I think... Um, but that's a great plan if you're reading it sometimes. And then lastly, if you're reading it almost every single day or every day, there's two websites or two apps I want to tell you about. And the first one is a blue letter Bible, and then we have the Bible Hub. And what these do, and this is not for everybody today, and that's okay, but these help you get into like the original Greek and the original Hebrew. And this is how I study for messages and how I study when I want to know what God really means in something. And this, to me, helps the word come to life, and I'll show you an example here. How many of y'all, by a show of hands, are familiar with the Red Sea parting and the Israelites leaving Egypt headfirst like a baby out of, you know, Egypt into the promised land? Let that sink in for a minute. Have y'all ever asked yourself how the waters parted? Like what actually happened? And some people will say, well, he's a way maker, a miracle. Shut up. Have you know how it actually happened? In Exodus 15, 8, it says, at the blast of your nostrils, that's so important, that phrase, blast of your nostrils. The waters piled up like walls, they stood firm, you walked through. Remember that phrase, blast of nostrils. Flip to Genesis 1-2, second verse in the entire Bible. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Why I like those apps, those websites, is because it helps me to realize the same Hebrew word ruach is the same word used to describe the blast of nostrils that parted the Red Sea. That word ruach is also used to describe the Spirit of God hovering over the water since the beginning of time. And so to me, what gives me a visual picture is that when God breathed, literally the Holy Spirit is probably what parted the Red Sea. And to me, that just gives me the visual picture that blows my mind and shows me how powerful 
the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And if you're a Christ follower right now, that's on the inside of you, and that changes everything. And to me, I love that. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Okay, so we have all of that. What happens if I don't read? Like, What happens if I don't get in the Bible? I can tell you that the enemy's plan for your life is to keep you out of this book as much as possible for the rest of your life. And he'll use any way and any means necessary. When we don't read the word, it's harder to discern truth. All of us, most of us anyway, want to know God's will for our life. We want to walk in it. But if we're not in the word, it, it's like we're trying to guess at what God wants for our life. The voices around us can get confusing if we're not in God's word. And I use this example with high school students. It's like I hear this voice in my head, and I don't know if it's me or the $5 box from Taco Bell trying to talk to me. I have no idea because I'm not in God's word. If you're not in God's word, the voices that bounce around in your head with these emotions and thoughts, how are you ever going to know if that's God or not? I went deep sea fishing one time. One time. That's the important part there. I lasted about 43 minutes into the trip, and in like all at one moment, every sense of common sense, every reason that I wanted to do anything productive in my life left me all in one moment. How many of y'all have been seasick before? I mean, it is the worst. It's worse than food poisoning times 12. Like, it is terrible. When I was seasick on this boat, I begged the captain, can we please go back? And he literally laughed at me and said, no, you already paid. And I said, no, sir, it was free. It came with our house. Take me back. And he said, no. And so I was on this way, or I was on this boat, and my family is laughing at me, taking pictures of me. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing. And I was at the mercy of every wave that came. If we went this way, that's where I went. If the waves went up, I went up. And if the waves went down, I went down. And that's exactly what happens when we're not in his word. When we have those emotions and feelings, we can be driven by those emotions and feelings and we'll go wherever they want to take us. And what's crazy is we can have emotions that are real, but they're not truth. Like you can feel underappreciated, you can feel unloved, you can feel unworthy, you can feel whatever it is, and those feelings are real, but they are not truth because that's not what God says about you. And knowing the difference can change your day. Y'all know it can change your life. Look, when we're not in the word, God is not mad at us. And so if you're there right now and you're feeling like this, wait, that's not God, that's the enemy. God's not mad, he's not upset, he's not frustrated. But what God knows is that if we don't read his word, we are starving ourselves of our daily bread. And we are starving ourselves of our relationship with God. The last thing I have is in John 6, you have this group of people and they were on the other side of this body of water and Jesus had just took the Lunchable and multiplied it so everybody could eat the loaves of bread, the fish. The same crowd followed Jesus across the lake wanting to make him, wanting him to prove that he was who he said he was, to make sure that he was the Savior, that he was the Messiah. And Jesus says this in John 6. It says, Our ancestors, referring to the Israelites in the Old Testament, they ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Everyone say truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread of life gives life to the world. They were just filled. They were not hungry. Their stomachs were literally full. And they said this next thing, sir, that bread you're talking about, can we have that? Jesus declared, I am that bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, you'll never go hungry. And if you believe in me, you'll never be thirsty again. See, best consumed by at the store is usually a date on a package. You look at that bread, best consumed by, and you got about 10 days to eat it. But when it comes to this bread, when it comes to God's word, it's not best consumed by a date, it's best consumed by a person. And that person is you. This bread is best consumed by you. If you don't mind, all across the room, let's close our eyes. I wanna have you picture this scenario, picture yourself walking to your fridge at night, you're hungry. A lot of us have been there. And you open the fridge, you open the drawers, you look through all the food and the ingredients and even though you're hungry, nothing looks appetizing. You check the cabinet, same thing. You close the door, you open it right back up, hoping something popped in there. Nothing looks appetizing. You go sit down, you're still hungry. You come back to that same fridge, the same cabinet, the same pantry, the same ingredients, the same food, but what wasn't appealing the first time, now because you've gotten hungrier, you now take part in, you consume it. What happens in our life is that if we get hungry enough, at some point we'll eat whatever is in the fridge and attempt to satisfy our soul. Is it possible that we have been so hungry in our souls that we have been consuming things that were never meant to satisfy us? That we've been attempting to fill our soul with worldly things and so we have no appetite for an eternal book or an eternal God. Matthew 4, 4 says, you cannot live off of bread alone. You cannot live off of things of this world, but you can live off of every word that comes from the mouth of God. So lastly today, why is the Bible so important? Jesus is that word that was with God and that was God since the beginning of time. And he's been manifested on the written pages to give us life, life to the fullest and eternal life. So the more of the word that is in us, the more of Jesus that is in us. And as we consume that word, we give ourselves permission to taste and see the Lord is good and we give the Holy Spirit permission to move in our life to do what God's will is for our life. Right now where you're at, just loud enough where your ears can hear you, doesn't matter who's around you. I want you to ask this question just loud enough where you can hear yourself ask this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? We're gonna pause for a moment, allow God to speak. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Jesus, remind us that you are the bread of life. Maybe you're here today and this is a foreign talk, it doesn't sound familiar and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. 
but something is stirring in you today and it just is doing something in you. Or maybe you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior before, but for whatever reason, maybe you got bored, maybe you got busy, but you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is not the center of your life. He's not your Lord and Savior in the way that you would live your life every day for him. If either one of those two are you, nobody's looking around. I'm not gonna call you out or embarrass you. But if you know you need to get right with Jesus Christ this morning and make him your Lord and Savior of your life, no one looking around, would you raise your hand this morning so I could pray with you? And as soon as I see your hand, you could put it down. I see you, thank you. Got you, thank you. You know, God's word says in Romans chapter 10 that it doesn't, our hand doesn't give us, it doesn't get us saved. It is when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, that's what saves us, that we confess that we believe in Jesus, that we need a savior. And so right now, if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know that you need to rededicate your life or give your life to Jesus, you can say something just like this right there in your seat saying, Jesus, I need you. I know I've missed the mark, I know I've messed up, I know I'm a sinner, but I know that you died on a cross for my sin, and that you were buried and you rose again, which means that you be held death in the grave and my sin all at one time. I choose you to be my Lord and Savior today, now and forever. Help me to walk by your spirit every day to do what you have called me to do. Lord, for all of us in this room, under the sound of my voice, including me, help us, Holy Spirit, to fall more in love with your word every day, Jesus. Help us understand it. Help us not just to know it, but to apply it, to meditate on it, to share it. No matter where we're at in our relationship with you, whether today was the first day that we called you Savior, whether it's been 40 years, Jesus, we choose you as our daily bread and nothing else. We thank you for your grace in our life. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your Holy Spirit on the inside of us that gives us counsel and comfort and wisdom to walk out every day. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. If you're thankful for the word, if you're thankful for Jesus this morning, can we give him a round of applause?